What's going on, everybody? John and Pemby here with Adam Ronis bringing you another edition of Anti Up on the Sawdust Podcast Network. Uh, Adam recording here Sunday night following uh, Sunday Night Football Week 10 NFL action between the Patriots and uh, Ravens. It was a wild day of games. Not really necessarily exciting, but just a lot of, uh, you know, interesting things happen. Of course, the highlight of the day has to be the catch by DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, Kyler Murray doing a great job scrambling to buy some time and just heaving it into the end zone. And DeAndre Hopkins makes a catch with three Bills defenders on him with two seconds left. And the Cardinals come back for an epic 32-30 win over the Bills. Uh, and Kyler Murray adding two more rushing touchdowns. He has 10, 10 mm-hmm. rushing touchdowns on the season. So, yeah, it was a... But it was a disappointing day for the most part offensively. A lot of field goal kicks. I mean, you look at the Rams-Seahawks game. I mean, really? I mean, this is what we get from all those wide receivers? I mean, I mentioned uh, last week that I thought Josh Reynolds was a good play at 3,500. But I also thought Cooper Cup and Robert Woods were good plays. And they did nothing. And Jared Goff, 302 yards. But no touchdowns against Seattle. DK Metcalf was scoreless most of the day. Finishes with 2 for 28. So... Uh, Russell Wilson, awful game. No touchdowns, two interceptions, and a fumble. So there was a lot of disappointing days from some studs that we expected to come through. Yeah, you know, the one thing I was kind of uh, a little down on Seattle in this game because you have the Rams, you know, home teams off a of bye. I know it's not always a sure thing, but I just feel like those type of uh, scenarios usually favor uh, that home team. And yeah, they were ready for Seattle. You know, they definitely probably. Uh, we're able to watch what Buffalo did for a period of time there against Seattle last week. Um, you know, Tredarius White, for the mar- most part, had shut down um, DK Metcalf in that one. And then, you know, they asked Jalen Ramsey this week, are you going to shadow Metcalf? And he said no. But, I mean, he was on him for a lot of the game, and Metcalf did absolutely nothing in this one, like you mentioned. Um, yeah, Reynolds was a great call. You know, Howard obviously had him in the playbook. Dan Malin uh, brought him up to him. So, and, you know, I know you mentioned him uh, as well. So it's a good game there. Um, if you're a Nick Chubb owner, you have to be thrilled with how he came back from uh, his IR stint 19 for 126 in a score. Obviously, the killer there for betters and fantasy owners alike uh, was Chubb at the end of that game, breaking the 59-yard run and then running out of bounds on purpose at the one-yard line so they could take knees to end that game, costing everybody uh, not only fantasy points, but I think the spread in that one as well. Uh, Houston, I think, was what, getting like three and a half or something like that? Yes, so they covered. I mean, look, I think Chubb made this smart play. And you could say, well, I don't own Nick Chubb. That is true. But we saw what happened a couple weeks ago with Todd Gurley when he scored, right? And Mm -hmm. then Detroit came down the field and scored. Now, in this game, I doubt the Texans were going to get 10 points. I was going to say, it would have been a two-possession game. With the wind and everything. But still, I mean, say he scores... They kick it off and the Texans return it for a touchdown. Right. And then the onside kicked and the Texans get it. You know, you you don't risk that. Uh, again, the likelihood of that happening is slim. So I understand why he did it. It does suck if you had Chubb. Uh, I don't think it cost three. I mean, someone could say, well, I lost by three if he scores there. I mean, he still gave you 126 rushing yards and a touchdown. So, mm-hmm. um, so I see both sides of it, but. From an NFL perspective, uh, I can't blame him for doing that. Yeah, 100 yards out of Kareem Hunt in this game, too. Uh, you know, Cleveland, you know, just committing full on to the run. Now, again, they had huge wins and weather in this game, so it makes sense. But uh, this is how Cleveland should be winning football games moving forward. 
Uh, take the ball out of Baker's hands as much as possible and let those two running backs uh, do all the dirty work. I think they're best built for that one. Uh, Tom Brady came back with a vengeance there. We kind of all thought about it. We, we figured this could be a possibility after being embarrassed last week by the Saints on Sunday Night Football. Gets Carolina this week. They hang 46 on the Panthers. Brady, 341, three scores through the air. Added a rushing touchdown uh, as well. Just a total dominant performance all around. And then everybody, assuming Ronald Jones was dead, not 23 for 192 and a score, 98-yard touchdown. What do you make of this Buccaneers offense? Well, I knew Brady would bounce back. There was no question about that. Uh, you know, had him ranked, I don't know, seventh or eighth this week. Uh, I actually almost started Wentz over him in a league. And I looked and I said, what am I doing? I mean, Brady's going <laughs> to bounce back, so let me go with him. Uh, Ronald Jones, man, he had that fumble early in the game. I was like, all right, that's it. So I, I tweeted out, you know, Ronald Jones fumbles. We might not see him the rest of the day. And a couple people with the stupid, oh, that age well. Can you guys read? I said, might. Do you know yeah. what the word might means? Jeez. And that's the thing. We make these observations in the moment. Sometimes they're not going to age well. So just stop with that stupid, this didn't age well tweet. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Especially just, since in the past, that had been the case. He fumbled. They took him out. We barely saw him in that game a couple of weeks ago when he fumbled. Fournette basically was on the field most of the time. But uh, it was surprising to see them, you know, Go right back to him that following drive. Yeah, man, that's that's what's crazy. And, you know, I, I had Fournette ranked higher. I mean, you know, I thought, you know, PPR, he's been catching passes. They stuck with Ronald Jones here. I mean, this is a tough backfield to figure out because it could be Fournette next week. But uh, it does seem at least right now when they have a lead, Jones is going to be the guy. If they're playing from behind, you'll probably see more Fournette. And Predicting game scripts sometimes doesn't always work. I think we all felt going in Tampa Bay probably wins this game. Uh, they were favored. Uh, and for the receivers, they all produced. I mean, it was spread out. Mike Evans led the way in targets with 11. Antonio Brown had eight. Godwin had six. Gronk found the end zone. So it's not going to be like this every week. They're not going to hang 46. And Brady could have had a better game. He missed Antonio Brown for a potential 50-yard touchdown. He was kind of off. He missed some throws in this game but still was able to produce because when you have a receiving core like this, they can bail you out. Yeah, I mean, they just get open. That touchdown catch by Evans was insane, uh, being able to control the ball, get his feet in the way he did there. Uh, a lot of people thought maybe he was going to be the odd man out and ends up so far uh, in the two games with A.B. and Godwin healthy. He's been the leading guy there, so uh, something to continue to watch. On the flip side there, uh, Teddy Bridgewater actually gets hurt in this game, hurt the other knee, uh, not the one that he injured you know years back. Um, I think I saw that he was going to go for an MRI on that one. Mike Davis gets hurt in this game uh, as well with a hand injury. So uh, Panthers kind of falling apart. We think Christian McCaffrey will be back next week, but, uh, you know, not much going on here. DJ Moore had a nice touchdown catch, uh, bounced back after a couple of down performances. Yeah, Moore was a guy that I originally, I guess it was kind of just that anger and spite. I had him on the bench in two leagues, and last second I said, I got to play him. Uh, I did bench him in one, though, and, you know, I guess he's one of those players that most weeks are going to have to leave in. You know, Curtis Samuel looked like he was emerging, and then he only had three catches for eight yards. I mean, just offensively as a whole. I mean, this was just a disaster for the Panthers across the board. The Mike Davis chalk didn't work out. And it's why we say cash game's fine. But if you are playing in a GPP, yeah, he was only 4000 on DK. But if, if you know he's going to be owned by 30 40%, and he doesn't do well. Now, all of a sudden, you have a big leg up on everyone else. So that's the philosophy of tournaments and GPPs of why, if you know a player is going to be highly owned, a situation like this. Now, we saw a couple of weeks ago, 
Gio Bernard and Jamal Williams, if you faded them, it didn't work out. You lost that right. week because they both went off. So, um, but I, the strategy is, hey, if we know they're going to be highly owned uh, and they have a dud like Davis did today, now you got a huge advantage on the rest of the field. Exactly. Uh, a game where uh, I think it was kind of a, an interesting one from two perspective of two bad teams. We had the Eagles and Giants playing here. And the Giants are sort of uh, kind of on the come up. The Eagles are coming off of a bye. They were getting a bunch of guys back. Miles Sanders uh, returned in this one. Alshon Jeffrey supposedly made his debut. He was on the field. He had a target, but didn't do anything with it. Uh, you know, Dallas Goddard, uh, you know, came back. Well, he came back three weeks prior, but uh, wasn't in this one. But uh, the Eagles did not look good again. Offensive line problems consistently plague. Uh, this Philadelphia team. But to me, the, the story was really, you know, Miles Sanders and how effectively he ran, but then he didn't get rewarded with any of the scores. They gave Corey Clement uh, a touchdown run there. Uh, it felt like at times they didn't give Sanders enough of the volume. It might have cost him the game. Yeah, this whole play calling for the Eagles was terrible. They didn't get Fulgham the ball, and I don't think Bradbury was on him most of the time. Uh, this was just awful. You know, we thought the Eagles were headed in the right direction, getting healthy, and and Wentz played poorly. The play calling was poor. Yeah, it sucked if you had Sanders because Clement only had one carry. It went for a five-yard touchdown. And Boston Scott only had three carries. One of them went 56 yards for a touchdown. Yeah. So, yeah, Sanders was great. 15 for 85, caught two passes for 10 yards. I mean, if you – I would buy I would buy on him now. If your trading deadline hasn't passed, and maybe the Sanders owner – is four and six and is frustrated. Uh, if you can still make a trade, I would get him because the schedule is very favorable ahead. And he looked really good. He looked healthy. Uh, you know, he, he got 17 touches and he's going to get that most weeks. And you got to figure that the Eagles probably play better. I mean, again, the Giants defense has actually been pretty good this year. I don't think people realize it enough. I stream them in a the league, uh, but Philly has, um, you know, they, they're at Cleveland next week. Uh, then they have Seattle, Green Bay, the Saints. So they're going to be in some games where they're going to have to put up points. You know, these things happen in divisional games, too. Uh, sometimes, you know, opponent knows you real well. These teams just played a few weeks ago, too. And then the Giants should have won that game. They, I think they blew a 13-point lead in the fourth quarter. So, yeah, uh, but that, yeah. That was the evening of drop game where uh, the yeah. ball, you know, should have happened. Philly's been terrible this year, man. You know, they're 3-5-1. and one. And, again, they should have lost to the Giants. And they beat the Dallas, who's terrible. I mean, this division is just absolutely putrid and a uh, real disappointing game for Philadelphia. Yeah, I agree. On the flip side, uh, Daniel Jones, 21 of 28, you know, no turnovers there. It's, it's fine. Usually he's good for a turnover or two per game. Uh, ran in a touchdown. Uh, he's closing in on uh, 400 yards rushing on the season. I don't think many expected uh, Jones to have that high of running total this season. Uh, when they were drafting him, I think they expected more maybe of a step forward. Uh, throwing the football, not necessarily the case there, but the rushing value has at least helped out some of his fantasy floor. Uh, what's your take on Wayne Gallman? Devonta Freeman went on IR. Gallman, two more scores uh, this week. Not a great r- yards per average um, <laughs> for him so far the year, but volume and points have been there for him. He's been lucky, to be honest, and I keep saying it, and he keeps finding the end zone, but he's got five touchdowns in his last four games, 10 for 34. 12 for 44, 14 for 68, 18 for 53, and he's barely involved in the passing game. He had one game against Philly last time out where he had five receptions for 20 yards, and the last three games, three receptions for 34 yards. So, you you know, you can't take away the touchdowns, but 
if he has a game next week where he doesn't score and those are his numbers, he's giving you nothing. So he's ranked as a RB3 for me every week, pretty much so far. I mean, he might have been because this was a tough week for running backs with so many questions in different backfields. He he was probably in the 25 to 28 range for me this week, but I don't think you can rely on him and you have the answer here. Your touchdowns are really saving him. Yeah, they are saving him. I will at least give him the benefit that when they are in the red zone, he's the back that's back. Sure, but, yeah. You know, so whenever... They're on by next week, too, so... Yeah. Um, you know, so it'll be interesting to see. I, I think he uh, kind of progressed here. Slayton, five for 93, seven targets. Sterling Shepard's been really good since returning. Caught all six of his passes for 47 yards uh, there. Evan Ingram was probably the most disappointing. Uh, a guy that has been, you know, double-digit targets in the last couple of weeks. Uh, only gets three targets here, two for 15. Yeah, I mean, you had to rank him as a top 10, 10 tight end, but that's because the position is just brutal now, and he was coming on. So this was, you know, definitely a disappointing game for him because uh, with the way he's produced the last few weeks. And, man, dude, tight end is a disaster this week. I am looking at it right now. The leaders, holy crap, man. It was pretty, pretty bad for this week. Yeah, my uh, my top DFS tight end that I put it on my lineups was purely because I wanted to punt it. Was actually Logan Thomas, and he saved me with some uh, late quarter production there in the fourth. Ended up getting me ten fantasy points at thirty three hundred on DraftKings. So uh, I mean, half the tight half the tight ends in the top ten this week are not even on rosters. Gronkowski led the way with thirteen point one at PPR. Hunter Henry finally found the end zone thirteen. Mm-hmm. You got Cameron Brait, Farrell Brown, Richard Rogers, Durham Smythe. And Higby, who had nine, is ninth at the position this week. And I had to desperately pick up Higby in two leagues. So I had Travis Kelsey as my starting tight end. Irv yeah. Smith was my backup. And with Smith, when Smith got ruled out, I had to get Tyler Higby in those two leagues. And I'm actually happy with nine points. Yeah, you should. I mean, Higby had the nice 40-yard catch there. So uh, it definitely helped out uh, his production. Gerald Ever got stopped, I think, at like the one could have could have scored a touchdown to double up the tight end position there for them. Uh, let's look at the the Washington Detroit game. Uh, Alex Smith making his first start in you know however many years it was. 390 yards passing, 55 attempts, but no scores uh, or turnovers in this one for him. Uh, Antonio Gibson got two touchdowns uh, in this one. 13 for 45 on the ground. Uh, JD McKissick eight carries, six yards and a score. Uh, rushing the football in the passing game, though, we thought last week it was inconceivable that he'd be able to repeat the number of targets he got, but he topped it at 15 targets in this game to JD McKissick. Yeah, it's absurd. And he could have had a touchdown. Smith missed him, but we know Smith loves to check down. And he, look, he's been a solid PPR running back for many weeks right now. He's kind of game script dependent. I mean, this, because I was very worried about Gibson because I started Gibson in a few leagues. And at one point, the game was 24 to 10. And I was like, oh, man. But they they kept Gibson in there. And it worked out. You know, he's getting the goal line carries. He even still caught four passes for 20 yards. So it's not that bad for Gibson. Uh, it's mostly Gibson, McKissick, and McLaurin, who did have seven for 96. Uh, Logan Thomas has been erratic. Uh, you know, again, Smith's not going to throw 55 times every week. They fell behind. And on the Detroit side. This team is a bunch of morons, man. And I've been saying it every week. I feel like every Sunday I go on a fucking rant about the Lions. You mean to tell me that it took until week 10 for them to fucking decide to play DeAndre Swift 
as the starter and the main back? Like, what are they watching? Does Matt Patricia realize his job's on the line? Adrian Peterson, like, plotting every week. And Swift was dynamic today, man. 16 carries for 81 yards, five catches for 68 yards, and a touchdown. Like, why did they wait so long? And it probably cost them some weeks, and they were fortunate enough to get this win as Prater hit a 59-yard field goal as time expired. He's been hitting, what, 59-yard field goals for a decade now? Yeah, I mean, it's just like, come on, man. Like, you might have won more games had you used Swift earlier. So Swift played 73% of the offensive snaps today. Uh, It just boggles my mind, man. Like, everyone sees it. Everyone except Patricia and the Lions. It takes to week 10 to figure this out. Much respect to Adrian Peterson that he's still playing. But he's got no juice. He's not breaking long plays. He doesn't help your offense. I said it last week with Howard. I don't know if you remember. It was a play last week. So they were inside the 10. The first two plays, Swift was on the field. It was third and goal from the one. They bring in Adrian Peterson in that spot. Everyone knew he was getting the ball. What happened? He lost four yards on the play. It's just like when you have Peterson on the field, the teams know you're probably running the football and you're not passing it to him. It's too predictable. You don't know what's going to happen with Swift. He can run. He can catch it out of the backfield. So uh, I just couldn't believe when I saw the report before the game. I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, 10 weeks in. Now we figure this out. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know what? Maybe that's what's taking. Because like I said, Cam Akers led the uh, the backfield there uh, with the Rams. Yeah, but that's different. That was injuries. And Henderson has been effective at time. I mean, look, we all want Akers to be the guy. But he was injured. Like, it's clear. Swift is the best player yeah. in the backfield. We can say talent-wise we think Akers in, but I don't think we can say, oh, it's crystal clear. Henderson is having moments this year. With Swift in Detroit, it was clear. Carry on Johnson, Adrian Peterson, there's no comparison with DeAndre Swift. None. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, Marvin Jones, 10 targets today, 8 catches, 96 yards, and a score. You mentioned DeAndre Swift, 5 for 68, and a touchdown receiving in this game to go with the 81 yards uh, rushing. Marvin Hall benefited from a cornerback falling down for a 55-yard uh, touchdown. He had two for 61. Uh, Hawkinson only two for 13 today. Uh, pretty much wraps up the uh, Lions side of this game. Stafford 24, 33, 276 and three scores. Um, outside of Swift, you know, does Marvin Jones, uh, after some disappointing weeks, start to climb back on your radar? Uh, if Galladay's out, sure. Um, but we do we can't expect big things. Hawkinson, this was his worst game of the year. I wonder if the toe injury was an issue. I. I want to check the snap count. I, I did see Jesse James in there a little bit, so maybe the toe was an issue for Hawkinson. And, you know, you had to play him if you had yeah. him. So and every time it has a bad week. So this was his first one. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, with Detroit and Stafford uh, getting x-rays on his thumb. I mean, he played through it, but uh, yeah, he hurt they, his thumb. They taped that up and he came out and threw a touchdown pass, like almost, you know, a couple plays later. So I was like, all right, I guess he maybe, uh, you know, can't be, can't be that bad. Um uh, a game that was, uh, you know, we expected to be impacted by weather. If you saw all of the uh, all the highlights pregame, Jacksonville, Green Bay. Uh, Jacksonville didn't really have much going here. Uh, rookie Jake Luton, uh, 18. Or Luton, Adam, how do you pronounce his name? I think it's Luton. Luton, okay. Jake Luton, 18 for 35, 169, uh, and a score with an interception. Uh, James Robinson, 23 for 109. We figured it'd be run-heavy game. Uh, for them there. Uh, DJ Chark, 4 for 56. Uh, Keelan Cole had the touchdown there, 5 for 47 uh, in a score. Chris Conley, 4 for 43, really wrapping up uh, their side of it. Uh, the Packers, I mean, uh, Rodgers, 24 34, 
325, two scores and an interception. Uh, Aaron Jones, for a while, wasn't really even on the field, it didn't seem like. Uh, but he finished off with 13 for 46 rushing, uh, added five for 49 on six targets uh, in the passing game. Marquez Valdez, Scantling, four for 149 the score at the 78-yard uh, touchdown. And Devontae Adams, eight for 66 and a score on 12 targets. Had a touchdown and also called back on him uh, also. So it could have been a much bigger day uh, for Adams there. Yeah, see, the difference in the weather was, so I moved Deshaun Watson down the rankings today, I think to QB 11. Uh, where I, I had him at like four or five, because that weather looked way worse. And we saw a game in Cleveland a couple weeks ago. I did not move Aaron Rodgers at all. It's Aaron Rodgers. You know he could throw short passes to Adams, to the running backs. So Adam, Rodgers was a guy I didn't move down at all, you know, left him at four. And, you know, he showed why with the game he had. Uh, so, you know, and tiebreakers for weather. You know, Chark, I actually didn't move down uh, because Green Bay was without both corners. Uh, it was a four for 56. So PPR almost got you double digits. I did move Fuller down and Cooks. You know, that game just looked way worse. Uh, Baker was a guy I was going to stream in the league and I dropped him. I'm like, I, I can't. Not, yeah. We've already seen this show before. And with Chubb back, you knew it would be a lot of Chubb and Hunt. But Rodgers, I'm, I'm going to play him. I mean, the weather has to be absolutely brutal. And, you know, he found a way to get it done. And Devontae Adams did leave this game briefly with an ankle injury. But man, just money in the bank every single week. Yeah, I agree with you there. Uh, Chargers, Dolphins, uh, Howard had a stat uh, we talked about on the NTL podcast on Thursday. Uh, rookie quarterbacks from California traveling to the East Coast are like 1-13-1 since like 1970-whatever. Well, the stat continued again because Herbert and the Chargers lose in Miami here. Herbert, 20-32, of 32, 187, two scores and a pick. Uh, Kalen Bellage leading the backfield there, 18-68. for 68. Uh, Joshua Kelly had seven for 21. Herbert actually ran in a touchdown uh, in this game also. So three total scores uh, for him. Uh, Keenan Allen, only three for 39, but found the end zone. Mike Williams, two for 38. Uh, Balaj added five for 34. So he got about 100 total yards uh, and five catches from Balaj. So 15 fantasy points in PPR, pretty solid output there. Uh, you mentioned Hunter Henry, four for 30 in a score. So uh, down game there for the Chargers offense. Uh, on the other side, though, uh, Tua, another two scores here, 15 for 25, 169 yards passing. They didn't ask much of them uh, again in this game. Uh, Salvin Ahmed, though, uh, 21 of 85 for a score. Uh, back-to-back strong games, both Brita and Jordan Howard inactive uh, in this one. Uh, you know, Miles Gaskin was only on IR, expected to miss a couple weeks. But, you know, do you think Ahmed's not worked himself into a, a role here, even when Gaskin gets back? It's actually pronounced Ahmed. So, Ahmed. okay. Yeah. Oh, no, it's cool. A lot of people probably don't know that. But, yeah, I mean, for now, yeah, Jordan Howard was inactive. Breida, I mean, I don't know. Breida could be back next week. But I got to think, you know, he might he might still be sitting there on waivers. I know Howard picked him up in a league or two a couple weeks ago. Uh, I'm assuming he held on. So, yeah, I mean, he could be the next guy next week. I mean, forget about Jordan Howard. DeAndre Washington, only two carries. So, if who knows about Brita and Brita's never getting 21 carries anyway. Yeah. Um, with Herbert, look, I know I, I've said he's going to have a bad game at some point, but you got to keep starting him. I mean, it was a tough matchup. He still came through. The yards weren't there, but two passing, one rushing, keep playing him. I guessed wrong. I didn't think it was going to be Kalen Balaz. I actually thought we'd see more Charmaine Pope, man. I'm, I'm surprised. Pope was really good two weeks ago and Balaz was behind him. They just activated Balaz over the weekend when Justin Jackson was put on IR and Belize didn't do anything special. I mean, 3.8 yards per carry, 
five for 34. So, I mean, they clearly are not thrilled with Josh Kelly right now. And uh, Pope didn't even get a touch. So, I mean, Austin Eckler seems like he could be back soon. Uh, but I, I still can't, I, I can't feel good about starting Balazs. I mean, uh, well, he'll get his second consecutive revenge yeah. game because they get they get the Jets next week. So <laughs> I, I don't know if they if you if you buy that. So everyone who says there's a revenge game is this does this constitute a Kalen Balazs revenge game? Because he got Kalen, 14 yeah, points. Yeah, it's it's an it's a revenge game against the Jets. It's a revenge game against Adam Gase. I mean, eh, whatever. I mean, I. I didn't spend money on him, and I didn't see people, at least in my leagues, no one went crazy, but I didn't believe in him. And I don't think know, they expected J- Jackson to go on IR. I, I feel like that probably held some of the bids down. Well, uh, I mean, we kind of knew Jackson was out this week. Yeah. We sure. knew that for sure, but yeah. I, I don't know when Eckler's going to come back because I saw I mean, him. he tweeted that he was close. Yeah, I and, and ranting, but then I saw another report that said he's still a couple weeks away. So I don't know what's true, but either way, he should be back at some point, even though this team is two and seven, and they do have the Jets next week. Yeah, exactly. Uh, receiving for Miami, we thought Mike Kosicki would have an opportunity there with uh, you know Williams out and and Ford gone, but uh, you know had the five targets, only two for forty though. Jakeem Grant had four for forty three in a score and on five targets in this one. Devontae Parker leading the team in targets with seven, but just two for thirty one. Uh, yeah, I don't really know what to make of this Miami offense, but they're. Scoring points and winning games, though. Yeah, the problem is, though, they're really not doing much passing-wise. You know, they've had a couple games where their defense has really helped them and the special teams return. So uh, that's the problem because Tua only completed 15 passes. So, yeah, of course, all these lines look terrible for these guys. So we're going to have to see them in a more competitive game um, where he puts the ball in the air more. And uh, do we get it next week? They're in Denver. So... You know, Denver's always a tough place to play, even though they suck and Drew Locke is garbage. Um, but look at their schedule, man. At Denver, at the Jets, the Bengals. I don't know if we're going to see that the next few weeks. But uh, at some point, they'll, they'll get a competitive game. Yeah, I agree with you there. Uh, and before we talk about our next game here, let's give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Monkey Night Fight. Uh, great game uh, site there for prop betting, fantasy sports, you name it. Uh, they got all the action there to help you guys uh, make some money. So let's uh, listen a little bit of them, and we'll get right back. Do you like to play daily fantasy sports? Then you need to check out monkeyknifefight.com. Monkeyknifefight.com is the fastest-growing daily fantasy site in the world because monkeyknifefight.com is different than the other daily fantasy sites. That's because on monkeyknifefight.com, there are no salary caps, and you don't have to play against sharks which means anyone has a chance at winning, even you, Adam, even you. Uh, MonkeyNightFight.com has tons of fun daily contests in all the sports you love, baseball, basketball, hockey, golf, UFC, NASCAR, WNBA, and eSports too. Monkey Knife Fight has it all. You know what else MonkeyNightFight.com has? How about a free $5 game for you for just for signing up? And if you use the promo code ANTIUP, one word, A-N-T-E-U-P. You will have your first deposit matched instantly up to 50 bucks. With a name like MonkeyKnifeFight.com, you can be pretty certain you know what you're going to be getting when you sign up to play. Monkeys and knives and fights and sports. Sign up and play today at MonkeyKnifeFight.com. Play, play MKFing win. State and age restrictions apply. See site for full terms and restrictions. So that's how we... Uh, Pay the bills. 
right, Adam, and we're back here. We'll pick it up with the Denver uh, Raiders game here. Uh, never really close uh, in this one, it seemed like. Uh, Raiders blew them out in the second half. Uh, 37-12 final. Uh, Drew Locke uh, not able to repeat uh, any sort of comeback performances this week. Threw another 47 passes. Four straight games now with at least 40 pass attempts. Uh, but one touchdown, four interceptions here. Uh, 257 yards. Melvin Gordon led the backfield 11 for 46. Uh, Philip Lindsay only four carries for two yards uh, in this game. Receiving-wise, Jerry Judy led the team four for 68 and on eight targets. Tim Patrick, four for 61. KJ Hamler, 10 targets in this game, uh, 50 yards on four catches. Uh, Noah Fan, three for 18 on seven targets. So Broncos offense not really able to get much done here against the Raiders. Yeah, and see, this is the problem, and a lot of people fall for it with Drew Locke, is that you see what he did the last two weeks, and you get, oh, wow, look at the numbers Locke put up. He did that in the second half in comeback mode when they were playing from behind. And the risk is a game like this, where it just doesn't happen. And he just doesn't really have a great feel for the game. He makes really bad decisions. Uh, It was brutal for him today with the four picks. And again, three straight weeks, they've fallen behind big, and it's canceled the run. And it's really hurt those with Melvin Gordon. So, you know, I got to rank Gordon as an RB2, and I keep wanting to drop him, but I'm like, all right, he's the starting running back. He's the better guy in pass protection. He's the goal linebacker, but he's they just been terrible. I mean, they're not using him in the passing game, I guess, which was surprising to me because Gordon's a really good, you know, pass catcher. But, you know, again, only this game, two targets, and we have a catch. Uh, you know, in the week before that, he had just the one target. Uh, you know, I think his lack, you know, when they're trailing in these games, you feel like the running back would be, you know, used more. And we just haven't seen that from him. Yeah, Locke's just not looking for the running backs. He's trying to make the big play and he's making a lot of mistakes. Yep. Uh, on the flip side here, Derek Carr, nothing to write home about at all at this point in game. 16 for 125, 16 for 25, 154 yards passing in this one. Uh, story really for the Raiders was Josh Jacobs, 21 carries, 112 yards and two scores. And then his handcuff, Devontae Booker, 16 for 81 and two touchdowns also. They just ran all over this Denver team. Yeah, revenge game, Devontae Booker. It's true. Got to chalk it up, revenge game. Yeah, and passing-wise, nothing, man. I mean, again, Carr completed 16 passes. And it's funny because (laughs) Derek Carr was playing well for fantasy. We're like, oh, you know, he's kind of undervalued. The last three weeks have just been absolutely brutal. Do you realize – he has not thrown for 200 passing yards in three straight games. His passing numbers the last three, 154, 165, 111. And they've won all three games. One was the weather game in Cleveland with the win. And last week against the Chargers, they played from ahead and had a big lead. So they haven't asked Carr to do nothing. I can tell you this. He's going to have to throw more than 200 yards or more than 250 for them to even have a shot to win next week. Because they host Kansas City Sunday Night Football as Kansas City looks to avenge their only loss of the season. Yeah, they'll be throwing and they at least have guys healthy back. I mean, uh, Brian Edwards, uh, the only one catch, one target. He's at least back healthy. Aguilar, uh, Ruggs, Renfro, Waller. So, yeah, at least they're. Aguilar uh, dropped the touchdown. Who did? Aguilar. Did he? Yes. They'll figure. He Uh, probably thought he was uh, playing with Philly again. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, like I said, they at least have the weapons if, if we get it next week. But it's a Sunday night game, so it won't matter for the main slate DFS anyways. We'll, uh, we'll have it for uh, the showdown slate there. Uh, next game that we have you know, on this, uh, you know, the 4 o'clock games, uh, Cincinnati and Pittsburgh. 
Uh, Bengals coming out of their bye. Didn't have anything really going here. Joe Burrow, 21 of 40, 213 in a score. Uh, Samaje P. Ryan led the backfield, 7 for 48. Giovanni Bernard had 8 for 30. Uh, receivers, Tyler Higgins continues to ball out, though, 7 for 115. A touchdown on 9 targets. Tyler Boyd, 6 for 41 on 8. Uh, Auden Tate, 2 for 24 on 4 targets. And Bernard had 4 for 17 on 7 targets. A.J. Green targeted five times, zero catches. Yeah, I mean, you shouldn't even be playing him at this point. I don't even put him in the rankings anymore uh, because of Tiggins and Boyd. Look, there's not really to say about the Bengals' offense. They went against a tough Pittsburgh defense, and I guess Pittsburgh was coming off that disappointing game against Dallas and said, all right, we're not going to play down a level of competition. So one of those games for Cincinnati, they're just overmatched. Yeah, uh, Pittsburgh came off throwing in this one too. Big Ben, 27-46, 333 and four scores. Uh, James Conner did nothing again in a really smash fight. You figure a game where they're up by so much, uh, Conner would get a lot of work running out the clock, but only 13 for 36. Uh, Receiving-wise, I mean, I don't have the times how many questions I answered today, Adam, about whether or not they should start Deontay Johnson. The answer is always yes if he's healthy. The guy is just peppered with targets whenever he's on the field. Six for 116 and a score today on 11 targets. Juju Smith-Schuster now is apparently over whatever knee ailment he had earlier in the year now. Four straight big games out of him, nine for 77, TMI 13 targets and a score. And then Chase Claypool, two touchdown catches on 10 targets today. Uh, all the big guys in that passing offense got rewarded. Yeah, I mean, it's really tough to rank these Steelers receivers. You know, I always put Deontay Johnson one because I agree. If he's healthy, you're playing him. We've seen it. He gets double-digit targets every time he plays. Now, he has left a couple games with injury this year, but you can't predict that beforehand. So I think I had all three in the top 25. Uh, and they all came through this week, and I'll probably do the same next week against Jacksonville. You know, a favorable matchup, and, you know, there'll be weeks where they disappoint, and maybe the run game finally gets going, and it's all Connor next week. We haven't seen it, though. We've seen several favorable matchups here for Connor. I mean, last week was game flow. They fell behind Dallas going into the game. Yeah, they're going to play from ahead. Um, and then the week before, he had Baltimore, which is a pretty good run defense, although New England ran on him tonight. But yeah, it's been really disappointing for Connor here, man. He's had like three straight really crappy weeks in a row. Yeah, I mean, listen, they were they were up twenty two to seven at halftime, so you figured the opportunity for sure was going to be there for them just to run out the second half and just uh yeah, just did not happen. You mentioned Jacksonville, like you said, they're one of the worst defenses uh, in football. You can definitely move on them uh, either way you decide, passing or uh, throwing the football. Uh, San Francisco, New Orleans. Uh, in this one, we know the story with the 49ers. They're basically playing all of their backups. Nick Mullins, 24 for 38, 247, a touchdown, two picks. Uh, Jarek McKinnon, 18 for 33. Jermichael Hasty broke his collarbone in this game. Uh, you know, so another 49ers running back uh, going on IR in time for one to come off. I think Mostert could likely be back next week for them. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, 7 for 75 and a score. Jordan Reed. Uh, you know, I was wondering how many more snaps he's going to play this week after only seeing 13 uh, last week. Five for 62 on six targets. A good sign for those who played him. But that's really it. Richie James, three for 26. Kendrick Bourne, four for 26. So not much moving there on the 49ers offense. Yeah, I mean, Ayuk was a great start. We knew that he would have had the game last week that Richie James had, but he was out. Right. Um, McKinnon, if you had him, I... I, well, I benched him in one league because I had good options. But for the most part, he was an RB2. You know, we figured, all right, he did get all the touches last week. It was a Thursday night game. He had the extra three days to rest. Uh, just didn't do anything. I mean, if I would have told you before the game, uh, McKinnon's going to get 19 touches, you'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to start him. Didn't work out. 
Yeah, exactly. And, and it was questionable anyways, because the Saints have a really strong run defense. I, I didn't feel like McKinnon was a good play. People were asking me today. I was, I was telling them to move off uh, game flow wise. I didn't think it was going to be one where they would be playing uh, in a spot to run the football. On the flip side, uh, big news in this one was Drew Brees not playing the second half due to uh, a rib or chest injury. He's going to have an MRI, 8 for 13, 76 yards, a touchdown. Jameis Winston came in relief, 6 for 10, 63 yards uh, in that one. Running the football, here's <laughs> uh, – I'll never understand this one. Latavius Murray, 9 for 57, fine. <clears throat> Taysom Hill, 8 for 45 running the football today. Uh, Alvin Kamara, 8 carries, 15 yards, but did run for two scores. Uh, if Drew Brees is out and missing time, is Taysom Hill now going to be more of a thing uh, for Sean Payton? Kind of hard for him just to ignore now that he doesn't have to play Brees? Probably. I mean, Winston will be the starter, and Winston came in, went 6-10 for 63 yards, made some erratic throws, but I would think he's a starter. But they always mix Hill in there, even with Brees. So, yeah, I'd give him more of an excuse. And that's what's great about Kamara. I mean, seven catches, 83 yards, and a touchdown on eight targets. And yeah, that's three the thing. total they, scores. Yeah. yeah, they don't really – they don't run him a lot, which is which is actually fine because he's such a good receiver. You'd rather have that. It means less contact as well. I mean, look at his carries the last few weeks, 8, 9, 12, 14, 11. I mean, you love that because, you know, he gets so many targets in the passing game. I mean, he, he does more as a receiver, and it's great for fantasy. What do we make of Michael Thomas now? Obviously, last week, it didn't have a huge game. They were up by a ton. You kind of maybe spelled that one away, but only two catches, 27 yards, and seven targets today. Yeah, just keep playing him. I mean, I thought uh, he would have been interesting for DFS because no one was talking about him, but I guess we see why now. I mean, I don't know. It's just one of those bad games. I mean, last week, they were up, and they didn't need to throw. He had 5 for 51. He was healthy, and he's back. And we've seen Thomas put up big numbers every time he plays. So kind of just one of those games. And then, you know, they went to – I mean, they threw 10 passes in the second half and only completed six. So what is he supposed to do, you know? No, that's fair. Uh, Seattle, Los Angeles, Rams here. We we expected this one uh, to, to be a big game. Uh, we already talked about this one, didn't we? we already talked yeah, about this. I mean, just right. Rams run too much, yeah. man. They're so they they don't want Goff to throw. They did lose Andrew Whitworth, though. That's a big loss for them. On yeah, the offensive line, it's a big yeah, loss. There's their line, yeah. yeah. It's huge. Um, it looks like it's uh, no ACL damage, but uh, he's going to miss time for sure. It looks like MCL. Uh, I guess that that's a plus. And they'll have him back. Um, you know, we touched upon the Acres thing. Do you think we're going to start seeing him more involved? I guess, but it was still 10 carries for Acres, six for Brown, who had two rushing touchdowns. Henderson had seven in a rushing touchdown. So you can't start him. I mean, I've, I've had him. I drafted him in many leagues. He's been on my bench. I mean, they're deeper leagues. So I understand if people had to cut bait. We've kind of talked about this for a couple of weeks. And we said, well, if you cut acres, then all of a sudden that'll be the next week he an injury happens and he goes off. But how can you start him right now? You you, you can't. Right. No, it's, I agree. Listen, I agree with you 100%. I just find it funny that uh, he is finally you know, seeing the field. I know you mentioned you know, Henderson was a little banged up. He scored as well. Three total scores for Brown and Henderson there. He uh, did get a carry near the goal line acres and was stopped. I don't remember how many, but I do remember seeing one and he was stopped. So it's just, he, I, I, this might be a a hot hand three-way approach going forward, like Indy and Baltimore. So yeah. it, it's tough. I had Henderson ranked the highest, but I don't know what I'm going to do next week. Yeah. All right, let's finish this off here. We'll talk about the most exciting game 
to watch it at 4 o'clock. Buffalo, Arizona. Uh, Josh Allen, 284, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Ran 7 for 38 in this one. Uh, nothing really else doing on the ground game. Zach Moss, 7 for 20. Singletary, 4 for 15. Uh, receiving, uh, John Brown ended up injuring his ankle, I believe it was, in this game. He had 6 for 72 and 8 targets. Stephon Diggs, 10 for 93 in what we thought was maybe the game-winning touchdown on 11 targets. And Cole Beasley leading the way, 11 for 109, a score on 13 targets there. Uh, you know, the, the passing attack comes through again for Buffalo. Yeah, they don't run the ball anymore. They don't care. They're like, yeah, we're not going to run the second week in a row. And, yeah, it's very tough to to play any of those running backs. I mean, Singletary just keeps falling further down the rankings each and every week. And Moss was higher, but – it's just they don't run the football at all. And you know what? When your passing game is working, it wasn't as good as last week. I mean, I understand why. Uh, but, yeah, this was uh, definitely a wild game. And uh, Bills have a bye next week. So, maybe Brown will be ready to go. This was supposed to be a revenge game for John Brown, too. Started off good for him. He had that it did. No, he was a good player. I liked yeah. him a lot this week. Yeah, no, it was uh, it was big. Obviously, hard to project Cole Beasley having the the huge game. Uh, that he had, but he's been pretty consistent, you know, uh, this year as well. On the flip side, you know, you look at Kyler Murray, you see 245, a touchdown interception. Doesn't seem like a good game, but he still finished with 30 fantasy points because he added two more rushing touchdowns on the season. He's got 10 now, uh, 11 for 61 on the ground. Um, Kenyon Drake returned, 16 carries for 100 yards. So uh, things looking good for him there. And Chase Edmonds, 8 for 56. Yeah, in every league, I have three leagues with Drake and Edmonds, and I played Edmonds. They were close. You know, Edmonds had three catches, 21 yards. Drake only had one catch for nine yards. But Drake looked fine here. Uh, I don't know what I'm going to do next week. I mean, the problem is Edmonds is more involved in the passing game, but he sees fewer volume, um, and Drake is very touchdown dependent. And the problem is Kyler Murray's taken it away from both these guys. I mean, it's insane. Uh, two more rushing touchdowns, and they play Seattle Thursday night. That's a... Pretty big game. It's like, I mean, it's a big game for Seattle. I mean, yeah. Seattle, wasn't Seattle 6-0? and Have they lost three in a row? Or were they 5-0? and I know they've lost two in a row for sure. Um, I think they were 5-0, and right? Then they lost, and then now they've lost two in a row. Yeah. But either way, Arizona's already beaten Seattle. Yeah. So that Seattle can't afford to lose this game because right now Arizona's first, I believe, in the West. I think they, and I think Seattle's third uh, because they've lost to the Rams and the Cardinals right now. So pretty big game for Seattle. and. It is at home, but no fans. So, yeah, Seattle's lost two out of the last three. I forgot. They beat San Francisco. Uh, yeah. Right. Right, right. They um, lost three out of four, actually. They lost. Wow, that's crazy the way they started that season, too. Uh, no defense. I mean, that's going to eventually that's yeah. going to get to you there. Russell Wilson was horrible today. He made a lot of two interceptions and a uh, fumble. But, yeah, we discussed that. But, yeah, Arizona. Um, you know, DeAndre Hopkins wasn't having a big game, really. I mean, and then that 43-yard play for a touchdown right. changes the day. But look, this is why you trade for the guy. I mean, that was a huge trade. The fact that they gave up David Johnson for him is just so <laughs> stupid, man. We all knew it at the time. It made absolutely no sense. It was the one of the dumbest trades I've ever seen. That's why they trade for a 28-year-old running back that has been, not been able to stay healthy. It makes no sense. And you give up DeAndre Hopkins, this is exactly what Arizona and Kyler Murray needed. Yeah. Awesome. You know, my, Kyler ha isn't having a great year really, you know, throwing the football. He's been pretty inconsistent. You know, his touchdown interceptions, uh, you know, just a little bit above two to one. Uh, but you're right. I mean, like he, the one thing he is definitely lacking 
you know, last year as a rookie was a real number one receiver. It was what, you know, Larry Fitzgerald, who's on his last legs and Christian Kirk, who wasn't able to stay healthy. So, uh, you know, giving him a, a solidified, legit number one receiver. Um, it was crazy to me in fantasy drafts. People were not drafting DeAndre Hopkins this year. They were downgrading him. I couldn't understand why. I had Hopkins over, over Julio. Um, I was debating and I had this conversation with Justin Fenterman between Hopkins and Devontae Adams as the, as the number oh, two. To me, it was Adams. Yeah, He's- everybody was on Adams. And listen, Adams has been perfectly fine. He's outplayed Hopkins. You know, that's fine. I can take that L. But I mean, I didn't understand the hate for I got in a 14 team league. I got DeAndre Hopkins in the third round. Well, that's that he fell too far. Yeah. But I the, re, the reason why, and I'll tell you what it is, is because he's a, a receiver that changed teams in the offseason. And history shows that those wide receivers that change teams and go to a new quarterback, it doesn't work out well. And we have two this year that have debunked that Hopkins and Stefan Diggs. So, and also, not much of an offseason, not much time to work. But I think the – and Odell Beckham was one last year where it didn't work out really bad. So that's that's what people were looking at. That was the reason why. But I think the lesson to learn from that is, hey, if you have an elite receiver, just go with him. And I wrote it up. I mean, like, I, I did a write-up um, for Joe Pisapia's Black Book. I did the receivers. And I put Diggs under red flag, and I wrote – I love Diggs. I think he's one of the best receivers in the NFL. I think he's one of the best route runners, but he's going from an accurate quarterback to one that struggles with inaccuracy to a team that wants to run the football. You know what? Buffalo has changed. They're running a lot of four wide receiver sets. They're now a passing team and Allen has become more accurate. So a lot of things I said made sense and they've just turned the opposite way. And it's going to happen sometimes. You're going to come in and make analysis with logic and it gets completely thrown out the window. So the lesson that I've learned from that is, hey, if there's an elite wide receiver and I think Hopkins and Diggs are elite, then forget about that. They'll find a way to make it work with their new quarterback. So that's what you want to do each year is learn lessons. That's one of the lessons I learned. Forget yeah. about that elite talent. Beckham, it didn't work out. Maybe that's because Baker Mayfield sucks. Uh, he was that, but, but he was a he, I mean, he still had a thousand yards playing with. It was not. It was a bad year, bro. It was definitely a down underperforming year. But I mean, knowing that he played the entire season hurt, like I wonder how much that truly hampered everything they go with Odell. Now he wasn't gonna put up, you know, round one Odell Beckham production. And and I was actually down on OBJ last year. We did the table that discussion. I called him my most overrated player because he's being taken at like 14 overall. Like people had him as like an early to mid-second round pick. I'm like, nah, that's being drafted way too high. Uh so I mean I agree with you on that one, but I thought Hopkins was just being ignored. Um, you know, for people like you said, afraid of the new team. And I'm like, the offense that they want to run is a downfield passing attack, running gun. I felt like that's exactly the reason they brought Hopkins in was to have Kyler just throw it to him all game. And, uh, you know, obviously, again, people are right. People are wrong. I'm just happy that I have plenty of shares of DeAndre Hopkins this year. Also, part of it was so many running backs were being taken. So that's why he fell to the second round. But, um, you know, Hopkins has had a couple. I had a swing pick in a 14-team league. And I drafted Julio. Actually, I did take Julio ahead of him. I took him at 13, and then it came back around, and Hopkins is still there. I'm like, all right. Well, that's like, oh. too That's too far. Like, that's just overdoing it. It's like, so like uh, Aaron Jones this year, right? I was not high on him because I thought, you know, the touchdown regression, they don't, he only had like 235 yeah. carries yeah, last I was year. With you on that one. But, and I thought, all right, he's going to go in the first round. I'm not taking him. But the hate got so ridiculous. So I was picking fourth in a 12-team league. 
And I started with Dalvin Cook. Aaron Jones made it back to me and I took him. And Fencing's like, I thought you don't like him. I'm like, it's this is the thing you have to understand. Sometimes it's not liking or loving the player. It's the ADP. Like Aaron Jones, I thought the hate went too far. Like I'm going to take him at the end of the second round as my RB2. There's a difference between taking him late first round as your RB1. He fell to me at, what is that, 19? No, 20. Yeah. 20, 21. I'm taking him there as my second RB. And that's where hate went too far. And that's what happened to yours with Hopkins. Like the hate went too far. Yeah. You know, I would have taken Hopkins in the late second round. Yeah. If Amari I'm picking, Cooper went ahead of him in the second round. Yeah, so. that I'm not doing. I mean, my rankings are there. I, I had yeah, Hopkins. Yeah. I think I had ranked Hopkins ranked fifth at wide receiver. So I did like Julio ahead of him. I did like Adams was my two. I mean, I love yeah. Devontae Adams, and I don't have him anywhere. It sucks. But yeah, I think I had Thomas, Adams, Julio, Julio Tyreek, Hopkins. I think that's the way I had it. Yeah. So, I mean, listen, it was a great game for him. Not, not really else for much else. Christian Kirk, only four for 27. Dale Arnold, oh, thank four goodness, for dude. I had a tough decision today, and I was going back and forth, Antonio Gibson or Kirk. And I'm like, how can I bench Kirk? And I'm like, <laughs> well, Gibson gets the volume. And then I'm watching Gibson as the team falls behind. I'm like, oh, man. And then Gibson And McKissick, came. McKissick got the first rushing touchdown for them. Yeah. Too, like one. Yeah. Oh. Brutal. Uh, all right, let's wrap this up real quick. We got the, the uh, Patriots and Ravens. Um, Lamar Jackson, 249, two touchdowns and an interception, led the team in rushing 11 for 55. And those of you who didn't watch this one, uh, they played in basically a monsoon all game. The fact that they even threw as much as they did is actually kind of impressive there. Uh, all three running backs were healthy. Mark Ingram, five carries, five yards. J.K. Dobbins, five for 13. And Gus Edwards led the running back trio, seven for 42 there. Uh, Willie Sneed was your uh, lottery winner tonight, five for 64. Seven targets, two touchdown catches. Mark Andrews, seven for 61, nine targets. Andrews could be in for maybe even more snaps than he's already seen because Nick Boyle, uh, I don't know if you saw the injury. Adam. Yeah. It, it, I had to turn away. It was not a, yeah, how many broken legs are we going to you know see this year or you know, gruesome leg injuries like that? Just Yeah, there know. might be some ACL damage. I saw a doctor tweet yeah. out. So, yeah, I mean, look, Andrews was – you know, Boyle was more for his blocking anyway. Yeah. So I don't really worry about the snaps as long as Andrews is getting targets. He did drop a pass in this game, but again, rain. So he came through after it's been rough for him mm-hmm. this year. Yeah, um, I had somebody ask me if they should play Andrews or Jimmy Graham this week. Uh, yeah, that, I'm that's still where going it comes down to for Mark Andrews. Yeah, I'm still going Andrews. Well, yeah, look, every, every tight end sucks outside of Kelsey, bro. Like, people need <laughs> to wake up. They're all going to have bad weeks. You know what I'm saying? And it's all dependent on a touchdown. Gronk scored a touchdown. He's number one tight end for the week. Well, yeah, Andrews is close, I think. Uh, they're both around 13. That's the bottom line with tight ends. You're banking on a touchdown. Um, we talked before we recorded. Dude, the Hollywood Brown shit is ridiculous, man. Uh, so I have Hollywood Brown in a lot of leagues, and I tweeted out during the game. I said Hollywood Brown's one of the most frustrating players this year, and I tried to bench him everywhere I could. I think I wound up playing him in maybe one or two leagues, but I benched him if I could. Like I played Jacoby Myers over him. Um, I played well a league where I had Boyd Woods and Allen Robinson, so I played them over him. I just, you know, they're not getting him the football. He's been open numerous times. Lamar can't get him the football, and they don't manufacture touches for him. You can't get him on a wide receiver screen in space to let him do his thing after the catch. You can't give him an end around. Like, I don't understand why they're not making him a point of the offense. You know what I'm saying? Like, it just doesn't make any sense. So 
I know they have a really good schedule. I've been telling people, don't cut him, don't cut him, hold on. But, man, it's really tough to play him now. He's got a great matchup next week. Tennessee is terrible in the secondary. But am I confident starting him? No, I can't. What have we seen? I mean, he's had some matchups this year. They've done nothing. I mean, they just, I don't get it. They need to make him a more important part of the offense. And we know he was frustrated. Was it two weeks ago he tweeted that tweet out yeah, and then deleted it? Ago, he said, like, why yeah. have me whatever if you're not going to use them? Uh, and I thought I bit into it last week. I thought the squeaky wheel was going to get the uh, get the grease last week against India. I knew it was a tough matchup, but I thought they would just be, you know, throw a caution against the wind and just target him as much as possible. And that didn't happen. Uh, tough, tough night to throw, um, you know, but he was open a few times. And Jackson, you know, has as he has all season long, has just missed him. So, um, yeah, it's, it's frustrating. Like you said, though, next week's a great matchup. But, I mean, you can't bite unless they're going to change the way they're using him. Because Jackson just can't hit him downfield. He just doesn't have that accuracy. We need to see more short passes, screens, something to get him in space and hopefully let him move. Um, on the flip side of this game, Cam Newton, 13 of 17 for a passing touchdown. Jacoby Myers threw a touchdown pass. In this Great one. throw. Yeah, former quarterback. People probably didn't know that. I guess he was recruited or something like that uh, as a quarterback. Flipped the wide receiver. So, uh, you know, Bill Belichick, the wise one, always uh, gadgeting up these guys here. Uh, Damian Harris, another 100-yard running game for him. 22 carries, 121 yards. He was looking mighty good in this game here against a tough Baltimore defense. Yeah, I mean, the issue with him is just it's game script dependent. And Baltimore came in as six-and-a-half-point favorites. And uh, I, I saw that they were uh, heavily bet on by the public. In fact, I think it said if Baltimore were to cover that, the books would take a huge hit. They clearly did it. Uh, the public money uh, was wrong. But that's the thing with Damian Harris is you got to predict the game script because he's not catching any passes. So that lowers his floor and he's a touchdown dependent. And we all know Cam Newton gets goal line carry. So uh, he does have um, 100 yards at, rushing in two of the last three games. Yeah, I think he's got 300 yard rushing games. Now, right? He does in two of the last three. But again, OK, fine. He had 100 yards rushing tonight. 12.1. You know, I mean, it's good. But, yeah. you know, last week, 7.1. Um, then he had the 100 yards against Buffalo and scored a touchdown. And he had 100 yards against Kansas City early in the year. Again, that's just 10. He has two targets on the year and two receptions. So he's very touchdown dependent. It's very hard to rank him, you know, because I can't rank him as a top 25 running back. unless He we does know. have Houston next week, though. Um, so. Yeah, Houston's been freaking garbage, too. So, yeah. yeah. Two 200-yard running backs against him today in Cleveland. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, he'll become a more intriguing start. And then um, the Patriots will fall behind 14 nothing, and we won't see him. And Cam Newton obviously ran a touchdown in 11 for 21. I think he's got 11. Does he have 11 rushing touchdowns now in the year, something like that? Like no, it's 11 rushing? Let's see. Do I, no, I make that Kyler has 10. Yeah, am I making that number up? What does he got? Yeah, I think see. you are. Hold on, it's, hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, nine. He's at nine now. So does he nine. really have nine rushing? Yeah. Nine rushing. Uh, the one league I had him, I cut him a couple weeks ago because I didn't want to. I didn't want to have three quarterbacks. I have Herbert and Stafford, and at that point, Cam was playing so poorly, and I was like, ah, I can't hold on. And uh, it's still rough though, man, because I mean, the, the the rushing is saving him. He's doing nothing in the passing game. Yeah, he's got three touchdowns, seven interceptions on the year, but yeah, nine rushing. Now. That's what I'm saying. It's just, uh, it's so tough to rely on him. I mean, but he's he scored a rushing touchdown in every game except two. Yeah, it's been there. And again, the Patriots' schedule coming up is, you know, they didn't have a hard schedule to begin with this year, but 
you know, on the rise, like I already mentioned, you know, they have. You the really think they're making the playoffs? <sighs> well, listen, all right, well, listen, their schedule. Like, you, you tell me, right? They're okay, four but do, you, do you see the, the, the AFC right now? There's nine teams with that six with six wins. I know, but they all have to play each other, and they're going to lose, um, right? Just like the optimistic. They, they, they have the Texans, the Cardinals, the Chargers, the Rams. Then they they finish the year with the Dolphins, Bills, and Jets. That's so, an L. They're losing at Miami, bro. Yeah, well, Tom Brady. Nah, I mean, it's not the, it's not an easy schedule. Uh, I'm a Patriots fan, so we'll see. Yeah, it's not an easy schedule. I mean, it's, it's not. Impossible, but yeah, it's not all right. Fine, I'll, I'll they have very it. little margin for error, though, bro. They're four yeah. and five. I mean, look, okay, Tennessee could fall out of it, they're definitely falling apart. Um, I don't think Cleveland's that good. Cleveland, Cleveland still has a minus 28 differential, man. Like, they've kind of they beat up on the teams they're supposed to, and then they get they hammered. Beat, they beat the Bengals, that's that's what they do. They beat the Bengals, yeah. They they haven't they lost, have they lost to Baltimore twice? No, once. They got hammered by Baltimore. They got hammered by Pittsburgh. They still had to play them again. And they lost to the Raiders in that win game. So they have, but they have the Eagles, Jacksonville at Tennessee, Ravens at Giants, at Jets, and Pittsburgh. So the AFC is wild, though. But the problem is, you know, with four wins, Patriots just uh, very little margin for them. They can't really really look forward to losing more than one more game, probably. Uh, Jacoby Myers, again, led the team in targets. Uh, I guess he's the guy. I mean, Nikhil Harry was active tonight. He was just shut down uh, the entire night there. Um, you know, again, yeah, not keep playing team. Jacoby, man. I mean, the guy, it's like every week, that's the guy Cam looks for. So I have him in numerous leagues. I didn't play him in all of them, um, you know, because there's a guy that I picked off waivers in a couple leagues where I have some depth. But, you know, uh, I'm not afraid to play. Again, I told you, I played him over Hollywood Brown tonight. Yeah, smart. <laughs> I, agree, I agree with you. I think it makes a lot of sense to uh, to keep throwing him out there. He's going to keep getting the targets. And, uh, yeah, it's crazy. Again, good matchup coming up again for them against Houston. Uh, so that wraps up the Sunday slate of games that we uh, that we just went over there. Uh, Adam, any, any final thoughts before we sign off from there? On uh, one of those weeks, man, Cole Beasley was the number one receiver in PPR. Uh, Valdez Scantling was fourth. Yeah. And Keelan Cole just was in how the top we, Just 10. how we wrote it up. One of those weeks, man, you know, um, tight end, as we said, was a disaster. Um, so just one of those weeks. And, you know, it's week 10. It's definitely an important week for people. But just uh, keep plugging away. Uh, and, uh, you know, we saw some good things. The emergence of DeAndre Swift, you know, that was a good sign. So uh, and J.D. McKissick, man, unbelievable. Just keep going. He does keep on going. That is true. Uh, all right, everybody. Thanks for listening again. Uh, for myself, Adam Rodas, we'll catch you guys next time.